Beginning of Ayakel describes people who are so the Torah is describing two different motivators or triggers for people to be involved in the project. Nedivos Lev and Nesios Ruach, or what's the exact language, I'm make sure I get it. Lev and Nedivos Ruach, I apologize. So, what's the difference between a Nesios Lev and a Nedivos Ruach? So the Ramban says something fascinating. He says, Nedivos Ruach is what we typically, typically call generosity. And that was a profile of those who gave their materials, of their goods, of their gold, of their silver, of their copper, of their linen, of their dyes. So they were generous. They weren't stingy. Nidivos ruach. So it's interesting that um, generosity is associated with spirit, with ruach. I don't have time to talk about that now. It's not in the Ramban. But why would the Torah associate Nidivos, not with lay, but Nidivos ruach? And we know it's in Nidivos lay. We give an award to Nidivos lay award. Yet in Parshas Vayakel, Nidivos ruach was a spirit of generosity that the Torah is profiling. But Ramban doesn't talk about that. He talks about Nisio slave. What is Nisio slave? Nisio slave means your heart is uplifted. There's some vision. There's some Nasaros Rosh Bnei some elevation. What does it mean to be elevated to work in this project? So the simple meaning is that. Whenever you give of yourself to something, you give for two reasons. One is because you're a generous person. I see someone on the street. It could be a drug addict. It could be someone who's a gambler wasting money. They're going through food. I want to. I just feel bad for them. It's sympathy. I don't identify with the person I'm giving to, or the organization I'm giving to, or the project I'm giving to. There's no deep identification. He's wasting money. The person just needs it. Needs it to survive to get to the next day. So that's generosity. And sometimes you give because. You deeply identify with Yeshiva Harad Zion, so one day you'll all be rich, Lord. You know, give to Yeshiva, you identify with an organization, so there's an Yeshiva slave, there's a vision. Well, this is something totally different. The Yeshiva slave is not referring to the people that gave the materials, it's referring to the craftsmen and the artisans. What happened? Something fascinating. Hey, what did they get any training? These were all slaves. They, were, they all performed manual labor for hundreds of years. How did they all of a sudden morph into, I don't know, Michelangelo's and Da Vinci's and craftsmen and artisans and Bitsalel school? And how did they make that shift? from being manual laborers who lifted heavy stones and carried donkeys to people who crafted the house of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. says, Lo They didn't have any teachers. Okay. They looked inside their heart and say, Oh, I've got the skill. I know how to make, uh, I know how to be a carpenter. I know how to shave gold. I know how to make gold plates. I know how to dye wool. Okay. The see a slave means they looked in their hearts and they said, oh my goodness, I think I have the ability. And as they performed and they constructed the Mishnah, they learned on the job and they developed these skills that were latent within themselves and they were elevated. Their, their hearts elevated them to say, I have got these capabilities. Now let me elevate them from my, from my subconscious or my identity. Let me draw them out and elicit them. So what's the message of this Ramban? message of Ramban is fascinating. That Avodah Hashem, because Mishkan is a symbol of Avodah Hashem. When you serve Hashem, if you serve Hashem the right way, you're also drawing out certain latent talents that you may not know exist, and you're tapping them, and you're bringing them to the surface, and you're developing them. The process of serving HaKadosh Baruch was not meant to be one which suffocates human expression, and suffocates human talent, and suppresses human identity, but enriches it, and amplifies it, and you have people that are becoming artists, and craftsmen, and fancy um, manufacturers own the job, and the job here is not just training because there's no one to train them, the job here is building a Mishkan for Hashem. So the Messiah slave, Divas Ruach, refers to those who brought the gold and the silver. The Messiah slave, according to the Rambayan, refers to the artisans and the craftsmen 
who looked into their hearts, saw that they had some in, in, in instinctive or intuitive talent, said, I think I have it, and through the process, these talents grew, they were able to build the Mishkan. Okay. Famous, famous Machlok was Rashi in the Eben Ezra, in the end of Vayakel. The kir and the kano, the basin and its underbase, under the dish, were made from copper. Where did they get copper? Gold is always, uh, we know where they got gold from. We saw this in Parshat Titisa, jewelry. Guess if they had, because it was currency, it was used to travel in caravans. Where did they get nechoshes from? So, b'maris hatzavos, hatzavos, the the, the Cholonashim, they brought the Maris Hatzavos. So we know what the word Maros means, Maros is a mirror. In those days, before they could make mirrors, by buffing glass, they would take copper and buff it really, really well. And copper would reflect a, a, a you know, dull image, but it still was an image. It wasn't as useful as we can buff glass into mirrors, but that was their rudimentary mirrors. So the women brought their mirrors. So why did they bring the mirrors, and why are these Tzavos? Why is Asha the Mar Hatzavos? These are the Mar Hatzavos, the mirrors of the the armies, as we would say. The famous Machlok is Rashi in the Eben Ezra. We'll hear what the Ramban says. Rashi says that these were women who brought their mirrors of vanity, the vanity mirrors, literally the mirrors that were used to beautify themselves every day. And Moshe was Moes, Moshe was disgusted. These are the tools of the Avodah Zarah. How can I include them in the Mishkan, especially in the Kior, which is supposed to be a, a vessel of purification? And Hashem says, Kabel, take these, These are the most precious, because these are the mirrors that were used in Mitzrayim by the women to maintain marital relations. The husbands would be backbroken, they'd be sullen, they'd be dispirited. The women would keep up their beautiful appearance with these mirrors, meet them in the field, based on the Pasuk and Shirashirim, and they'd still maintain healthy marital interactions and have children, and they would produce tzavos, they would produce people who would leave if not for the women maintaining normal marital routines, there wouldn't have been any Jews to leave Mitzrayim. All the first generation of slaves would have been annihilated. So they kept up their marital interactions, they kept up their, we would call it romance, and because of that, children were born who were the civil Sahim who left Mitzrayim. So according to Rashi, basically, Hashem is telling Moshe, in our ter- jargon, don't be so Victorian. And don't look at sex as uh, ugly and disgusting and and, and vanity and vain, but it's something which, if channeled within the proper context, it's something which is you should use these mirrors, dafka, the mirrors of vanity, literally within the Kiran the Kano. The Eben Ezra has a different shot, because what is Asher Tzavu Oel Moed? If it means that they just brought all the mirrors to the Oel Moed, there was no Oel Moed until the Oel Moed was built. So I can't be referring to the, these masses of women bringing their mirrors to the Oel Moed, because the Oel Moed was being built. What did they bring it to? They brought their Oel Moshe, not Oel Moed. Okay, so it's, it's, it's that you could solve Rashi. But the Ramban also quotes the Eben Ezra. So far, again, Ramban a lot of times quotes both Rashi and the Eben Ezra and tries to find a synthesis between the two. The Eben Ezra says the opposite. These weren't women who were donating their mirrors of vanity. These were nuns. These were nuns who forswore sexuality. They weren't celibate. I'm using the word nuns, obviously, loosely. These were women who decided they wanted nothing to do with Tavas Olam Hazeh. They threw their mirrors at Moshe, and they came every day to the Olam Moed after the Mishkan was built for a Tehillim club. Basically, they came to say Tehillim and to learn Torah, literally, to Davin Tashem. So these were the women that came, not when they gave the mirrors. They gave the mirrors during the procedure of building the Mesa Mikdash. And then they kept on coming to the Mesa Mikdash at Shetsevu Ol Moed, day in, day out, for davening and for learning and for, for swearing. So the opposite. At Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted mirrors of people that disengaged from Ol and uh, But either way, okay, either way, according to Rashi or according to the Eben Ezra, the women had no say in why their mirrors were used for the kiyah. They were just gave mirrors. And Hashem told Moshe, I've got some nechoshes, use it for the kiyah. And I said, what do you mean, HaKadosh Baruch Hu? 
mirrors key art doesn't make sense there's no that, that makes the most sense because this is Tahara or according to the Eben Ezra all these very very pious women said oh we don't want we want to go celebrate we don't want to put on makeup we're going to go clean and and Hashem said oh, those are the mirrors you should put into the key art the women just gave the mirrors as far as they were concerned the mirrors could have gone for anything else in the base of Mikdash they weren't earmarking the mirrors for the Kiar these were either women who were giving their mirrors for beauty or the women who were for swearing their mirrors or giving to Moshe and the Moshe in consultation with Hashem decides to direct the mirrors to the Kiar and Ban says no what happened was a couple of women brought their mirrors and Moshe saw the Nechoshes and it was just so beautiful and so finely buffed because it was finely buffed copper he said no let's leave these Nechoshes for the Kiar then all of a sudden the women heard, oh, you're using our mirrors for the kiar. All of a sudden they started mopping the old moed. And there's a herd, a stampede of women coming with their mirrors. Why? Because they knew that this kiar would one they serve as the instrument of an ishasota. And instead of being frightened by it, they were enthusiastic about it. Because they knew that sota would maintain healthy marriages. And would be a deterrent for, be a deterrent for sexual promiscuity. So even though when we read Sota, we think it's, oh, it's a chauvinistic parsha, or I, not that I don't read it that way, but why are we treating women that way? They embraced it. They were thrilled to hear. There's no, they, they just came, a couple of women came with their mirrors. I said, oh, there's really nice copper. Let's start putting it aside for the kiyar. Once word started spreading that the mirrors would be used for the kiyar, the women on their own, they decided, let's mob the Mishkan, bring as many mirrors as we can, bring as many mirrors as we can. As the Ramban says, I'll read the language of the Ramban, they started mobbing the base of Mikdash, or the area, the, the, the landing zone, where the staging area, they were bringing the material. They all they say, you know what, few, few women gave their mirrors, Moshe already earmarked them for the Kiyar, let's bring more mirrors. They heard that it was going to be used for the Kiar. Let's bring as many mirrors as we can for Sota purposes. And this is a sign of how excited the women were to participate in the instrument which would be used. Because remember, the Kiar was used primarily for two situations. One is for the Kornim, to enter the base of Mekish every day. But most people are on Kornim, and certainly women are on Kornim, so they're not going to use the Kiar. So when would a woman have contact with the kiyor if she were a sota? So we would think, yeah, yeah, I don't want to get near that kiyor. That's a sota. That's a that's a kiyor that will. No, we realize that sota is a mechanism to deter sexual frivolity, sexual promiscuity, and a society that maintains sexual integrity, moral integrity, a society with healthy marriages and healthy relationships for men and women and healthy relationships. So they were the ones who were more interested in the kiyor than let's say the men. So just uh, how you read that parsha and parsha's naso, we're not looking to chaser shalom torture women through the parish of that we're looking to create an healthy environment that you need to. Okay? So two Rambans. One Ramban about the seer slave and developing your talent through Torah. One Ramban about who brought the mirrors. Famous Rechot Rashi and the Vez. Ramban has a slight addition. Okay? Good morning. To you. Say Shalom. You coming back next week?